Hi, it's Kim here, otherwise known as The Doc. Uh, We've got a couple of warnings for this episode of the podcast. Um, The first is, as usual, there will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film 1917, stop now, go and watch it and come back to us. The second warning uh, is a different kind of spoiler. It's me spoiling the audio of the podcast by forgetting to turn my microphone on. Um, So you'll, you'll hear that I sound a bit tinny more tinny than normal on the episode. Uh, The Baron sounds great, so listen to it just for him, but please forgive us. He tried to to improve my audio as much as possible, Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Please enjoy the show. Welcome back to That Reminds Me Of. This is episode four, and we are talking about the amazing... 1917 and i've done it again i've started with You've amazing done it again you just done it again i can't help myself when the film's amazing it's amazing what do you do uh, i think what you do is pour a drink and start talking about it i already got one me too that's my drink sound <laughs> <laughs> that's all right yeah that was great so, Baron, you've already called it amazing. Yeah. Why was 1917, directed by Sam Mendes, amazing? Well, it's just a cracker of a film, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so much. There's so many things to say. It's a mm. uh, it's a single shot film that's actually good. That's a huge one, right off wow, the bat. Wow, that's a big call. Yeah, because that's hard. That's hard to do, and there's been some real shit mm. doozies out there that have happened before. Um, I love a war film if it's done well, and this one it has been. Um, there's just too much. To, there's actually too much to say. Great performances, really well executed. Sam Mendes uh, has nailed it. I think. What do you think, Kim Logan? I thought it was astounding, just unbelievable from you know from the first scene to the last. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what stood out to Look, you? Look, I think I'm struggling struggling with the same thing as you, how to describe why it was so good. But it, I think the, one, the single shot stuff gets you, gets you in and it doesn't let you go, does it? So you, like, it's got all the emotional ride of perhaps many films, but you have to live it with the character. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah, I think that was why. So th- there is a thing going out there, a little quote, I believe it's from Sam Mendes himself saying why this film had to be a single shot. Oh, okay. And it goes something along those lines. It's because it's because you have to you have to be there in the moment with these characters the whole way through and it has to be unrelenting. And I think that's what that's what makes it work. Yeah. Um I've seen a lot of single shots in films, like single shot sequences that are great. Yeah. But I haven't seen before this film a single shot film where the whole thing is pretending to be one shot even though it isn't clearly but you know it they've done it very well so th- there is a difference between single shot films and faux single shot films yeah yes uh, and uh, but i guess the end result is the same yeah yeah except that it's i think it's it probably is impossible to do a real single shot feature length film that isn't going to be awful like that um uh, Ark film. Did you ever see that one? Oh, Russian Ark. Russian Ark. Um, 
it's funny you say that because I was almost going to have that as a reference because I, I, I have seen it. Yeah. But I don't remember it very well at all, so I, I meant to watch it again so I could talk sensibly. <laughs> uh, so I kind of don't don't think I can even comment on it, but uh, I, I thought it was acclaimed and I thought it was meant to be good. I, you know, people liked it supposedly. I didn't. I, I couldn't stick with it. I couldn't stick mm. with it at all. In fact, it just seemed a little bit ridiculous to me. Um, I haven't okay. gone back and rewatched it though, so that's not entirely fair to it. However, first impressions... Didn't enjoy it. Okay. Do you have any single shot films in your reminds me without giving it away? I do, um, but not they're not they're not single they're not complete single shot films. They're films with a sequence in them. Films. There multiple. Are, there are multiple films with a single shot sequence. Okay. In that mm. case, I think we drop the single shot talk. Let's stop talking about it. We'll come back <laughs> to it. Good idea. And and go on to perhaps Sam Mendes in general. Yeah, uh, definitely. What do you think, Sam Mendes? Hey, I mean, he's mm. been more recently known as the Bond guy, but there are some classics that um, come before Bond that I think are the more impressive films. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought I thought I knew him pretty well. Whenever anyone mentions, "Hey, what do you think of Sam Mendes?" I think, "Yeah, uh, I loved Evil Dead and Spider Man." <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I thought I knew his back catalogue pretty well, and I, I always make that mistake uh, and. I don't think I know Sam Mendes very well at all, other than American Beauty. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one I've seen. I think I've seen almost all of his films. I've got them in front of me. Um, there's a few that I haven't. There's a, there's a couple that I haven't, but almost all of them. I've seen the Bond films. I've seen Revolutionary Road that was uh, back in 2008. There was a film in between called Away We Go, which I missed. I, I haven't even heard of that film. Is that um, a rom-com? I don't know. Then there was Jarhead before that. That was... Something I remember that really clearly. Road to Perdition is an amazing film, and then before that, American Beauty. So, and then there's Cabaret TV movie 1993. I haven't seen that. Have you? The thing about him is that he um, he couldn't be more different than Sam Raimi. I think <laughs> Sam Raimi started with yes. with um, teen horror comedy. Uh, Sam Mendes is a is a theatre guy. So he's a posh uh, English theatre, man of the theatre. Yes, okay. And that makes so sense. That's, yeah, it does. And that brings a whole level of credibility, I guess, um, you know, depending on who you are and what you like. Definitely. Uh, but prior to American Beauty, which I think was his breakout, wasn't it? He, either his first yes. or his... That was, the, that was the first theatrical release for him. Mm. Yeah, and it was a cracker. And I think if I remember correctly, won the Oscar that year. Is that right? Well, I don't know, but it's certainly one of those that's in everyone's DVD cases when we had those. Definitely. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, and I guess Jarhead was his last war film before this one, uh, a totally different kind of war film. I don't know what. I don't know how you would describe Jarhead. Pretty dark. I, I think I've seen it. I can't remember it well, but it's, it's more psychological, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's more like the... Jake Gyllenhaal's um, emotional journey. Yes, and about scarring, I think, was a big part of it, dealing with trauma. Yeah. If I if I remember correctly, it's been a while. But this film, 1917, I think we should actually describe this film. We should do a synopsis. What do you reckon? Oh, the old synopsis. Let's go. People need to know what we're talking about here. And actually, uh, I just will say it again because, you know, we are probably going to 
have some spoilers in this synopsis, so we recommend <laughs> seeing the film before actually listening to this. But here it is anyway. Do you want to go first or, sh- or shall I? Uh, let's see who went first last time. I can't remember. Okay, I'll go first. I'll get it out of the I, way. I always think I always think it was me and that you should go first. I think you did a couple early, maybe. That's <laughs> yeah, why you feel right. hard done by. I'll get one back. All right, cool. Nineteen seventeen is about a young British soldier, played by King Tommen from Game of Thrones, uh, who gets a mission to deliver a message to stop an attack on the Germans that's doomed to fail. Uh, it's personal because his brother is one of the ones that is likely to get killed in the attack. Um, King Tommen enlists a mate uh, to go on the journey with him, uh, but not far into it. Spoiler alert: King Tommen dies. And the film becomes the journey, <laughs> the journey of his mate, uh, played out in real time against the clock. Uh, after sleepless nights, spectacular cinematography, uh, set design, etc., his mate eventually lands his mission and convinces Benedict Cumberbatch to to call off the call off the attack. Um, and he also delivers a message to King Tommen's brother uh, that Tommen died a hero. And um, and the final plot twist is that King Tommen's brother is actually Game of Thrones co-star Richard Madden, who is King of the North. <laughs> Holy crap! Wow, you nailed it. Um, I don't. I I just missed all of the Game of Thrones stuff in that. I don't know why. I know. I know. I and I, I knew you would. That's great. Yeah. So. Yes, both from Game of Thrones. Both from Game like, of Thrones. You know, when when I saw the brother at the end of the film, mm. I said to Edith, "That's a guy. That's that's a guy from something. I know him from someplace. You you you'll recognize him." And uh, she saw him and went, "Oh yeah, it's a guy from a thing, from a show." And neither of us from got the, the two, the two guys, the two brothers were from Game of Thrones. The brothers, classic. Correct. Wow. Your turn. Nineteen seventeen is set in nineteen seventeen. It's a war film, World War One, where uh, a a brother uh, discovers in a great little tell it all setup the perfect scenario scene at around seven minutes into the film that um, he has to go across country using his map skills, which are just okay, to go stop his brother and a, a unit or whatever they call them, army people of about 1,500 men from storming the German, the new German line because they mistakenly think that they're, they're retreating but actually they're bunkered in German style with all the best mod cons and are ready to blow away the Brits. And so they have to go across country um, through German-occupied territory or what was recently occupied uh, in a mad dash to get there before the next morning when that attack will happen and i'm gonna leave out the rest of the stuff because you nailed it (laughs) oh wow that's a cop out (laughs) (laughs) hey you mentioned a really cool thing about the start of the film Mm. and the setup it's amazing like it was amazing just the well if we go from the very start i love the the opening shot of them lying in nature. It looked like a pastoral, beautiful pastoral scene. Uh, and then the, then you gradually 
by degrees see what the context is and you start to see a soldier or two and then you start to see the bigger picture and then yeah. you walk with them into the trench uh, and and then, of course, there's that. It's almost like a Mission Impossible thing where where the mission is set out so succinctly and uh, like Inspector Gadget, like this message will self-destruct sort of thing. Colonel McKenzie is in command of the second. He sent word yesterday morning he was going after the retreating Germans. He is convinced he has them on the run. But if he can break their lines now, he will turn the tide. He's wrong. Colonel McKenzie has not seen these aerials of the enemy's new line. It's incredible. It's actually the best, like one of the best of those moments I've ever seen in a film. Agree. Yeah, and it happens so soon in the film. We don't mess around too much with these two characters. They, they, that you get. We had a little bit of banter between them on their way mm. from the tree through some trenches to that room where the the general is. Just enough to get a sense of who they are, but not too much. Yeah. Because that's going to come later, and that's great. Like, let's leave that for later when they're on the road together. Um, and then the general just lays it out so succinctly and beautifully. Just you, you're going to have to get there by this time. It's German-occupied land, or, or recently was. Uh, and if you don't get there by this time, stakes, your brother's going to die, plus a 1,500 men, and you've only got this amount of time. There's your ticking time bomb. Go. This is great. It's, yeah, wonderful. And they also say, they also cleverly go, why are you only sending two of us? Great question, because everyone's thinking it. Mm. And he says, going alone by yourself won't be noticed if you have to go through tre uh, treacherous yeah. lands or something. But it just it, he sort of wraps that up. They, they wrap that up as well. So I, I just thought that whole scene was masterful. Masterful. I agreed. It just got me from there. And just the way it sets up the pace of the whole thing, you know, you're from that moment. You know, that I'm gonna I'm gonna have to be with these these guys every second. Like this is gonna be quick. Um, I guess another way to look at it is that it also it sets up the the nature of the film as far as the um, Oh, the interplay between the realism and theatrics mm. in a way like that, as well as being great, it also said that this is a piece of art we're watching. We're not, we're not watching like the real war. Right. Because in the real war, I, I don't think, I don't think it would have quite happened like that. Yeah. Like it might have been quick, but it would have been dirtier and uh, not so choreographed. And No, and uh, you wouldn't have had the, that sort of direct from the general to the, to the soldier yeah. who's going to actually yeah. go across the country himself. Like you wouldn't have had that just like, um, you know, straight from the horse's mouth moment. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's great. So, yeah. So it told me how to read the film in a way early on. Which is also masterful. That's such, so, so important. You know what? Like up and I already knew that this was going to be a single shot film going in. Mm. But when I saw that unravel, I was like, yeah, I'm in really safe hands. This is going to be good. Yes. Agree. And how the, the, the single shot business, just in that opening, you were amazed, weren't mm. you, with, with just how everything would have had to have been choreographed to, you know what, to you make know what it blew my mind was the, how, how long the trenches were. I know. I was sitting there thinking, wow, this is because normally you're quite used to them going Ooh. around a couple corners and a couple blocks and stuff, but mm. this just felt like miles of trench. Right off the get go, yeah. you know, like, and that that in itself just, you know, you you're thinking, will this 
where's the trick coming? You know, where's the moment where they're going <laughs> to yeah. cut? But nope, they've actually they've actually built a really really long run for these for these two to, to walk right off right off the start, which means that you even though I was looking and I watched this film twice, so the second time I was looking <clears> for all the cuts, which was so much fun. I freaking yeah, yeah. I was looking for all those cuts, and I and I think I probably saw most of them, if not all of them, but what I was so impressed with was the scale of what they, you know, what each sequence was. They'd really committed to making the sequences as long as they could so that there were less cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cuts or no cuts. It doesn't take away from no. the fact that these are big, long, continuous scenes. Yeah, totally. And there was a lot of clever, clever uh, manoeuvring or choreography going on where mm. um, whoever was sort of leading the scene or whoever's moment it was would somehow sort of just end up in front. Like the other guy yeah. might just get bumped by a soldier and end up just slipping behind. Yeah. So the other guy can come forward and it's his moment and you're on his face. Clever. So clever. Just the, the amount of time and effort that would have gone into getting that little dance right with each sequence. Yeah. And if they get it wrong, like they start from the start. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's got to set up again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, um, so I, I really, really enjoyed all of that stuff. How good were were the sets in Great. general like yeah. the we talked the trenches but you get they that that's one that's the first of many just elaborately designed locations so they 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 get out of the trenches and and then go into no man's land <laughs> i know <right? laughs> and, and then and then there's the that that bit with where they've basically got the the ruined you know, city with all the buildings destroyed and all the light show. Dude, that 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 whole sequence just there that you just mentioned, mm. um, I could, I could just talk about that for hours. I just loved it. That in particular, and I'll just because mm. we're talking about it now, and you, or you've mentioned it, I'll just call it out. That that was my favorite part of the film. Yeah. Um, from the moment he wakes up, after being kind of uh, shot in the helmet, I guess, and knocked out. Yeah. That, and he wakes up and it's night. You don't know how many hours have gone by. And there's this, and it just, the whole sequence just starts off. If you can remember, yeah. he's looking out the window and there's a flare that just takes off across the sky, slowly arcing across the sky. And so you get all the shadows and light play happening. Yeah. And then the camera goes out the window and down to ground level where he's just now walking out of the bottom of the building and just starts following him uh. as he starts running along that strip. And it just passed all of the broken arches and destroyed buildings. That that whole sequence and the music in particular there was just gorgeous as well. Mm. Phenomenal. I couldn't believe it. I just, you know, when I was in the cinema, because I saw it in the cinema the first time. Oh, okay. I didn't. Yeah, I saw it cinema the first time before the lockdown happened and then second time in my living room. Both times great, but in the cinema, man, I just stood, I just almost stood up. Like I was like mm. right on the edge of my seat because it was just so, so amazing. You know that that whole moment. It, it uh, also though, it's so different that that scene that that part of the film to other parts of the film. Yeah. And I guess every part of the film was so different. Had a different mood. Had a different score. Yeah. Had a different look. Like that one. This may sound ridiculous, but it, it reminded me, dare I say, uh, <laughs> yeah. of just a video game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you. you it's, he's he's running and there's Germans coming out of a left field and you feel like it's a shoot shoot me up or oh shoot him up is that what it's called? Yes, that would make uh, an amazing video game sequence. 
wouldn't it? Yeah, probably they're probably in the making. Oh man, and and that I really felt like Roger Deakins at his best there. You know, pulling out mm. every trick he he's gained over all the years of um, cinematography. What, what's he done? What's his catalogue look like? He's done too many to even begin talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, 1984 is in there as one of the ones so he, that he... He loves his years. He loves his years. We've got 1984 through to 1917, even though that makes no <laughs> sense. Well, he did all, he's, he's done a bunch of the, the previous Sam Mendes films, the yeah. Bond films, Sicario, the new Blade Runner, which was just an amazing thing to watch. M. Night Shyamalan's films. I always get oh, that wow. wrong. Um, a Beautiful Mind, O Brother or Art Thou, all sorts. So he's done everything. The Dick Lebowski, Courage Under Fire, Fargo. Yeah, just goes on and on. The Shawshank Redemption. Goodness. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the man. The vast majority of people don't consider cinematographers, do they, when they're gripping films? No, you're right. They don't, unfortunately. They should. The names just aren't as known. Mm. Um, and also just well just just lining up all of these these transitions and these mm. sequences just planning those which would be very much a discussion between Sam Mendes and Roger Deakins just like how do we do this how do we pull this off what's the best most creative way to make this work mm. what a cool collaboration the well, the one you you referenced just before was the when he gets uh Schofield I think his name is mm. gets shot in the helmet, yeah, and gets yeah. knocked out. Uh, and thinking about the film after watching it, I thought, geez, how did they, if it's single shot, how did, how do we get through the nighttime so quickly? Yeah. Uh, and then I thought, oh, okay, that's the trick. That's the yeah. one, the one little trick they kind of, they used. That, the one uh, break in time, yeah? The one break in time. I agree. Um, Although for him, it's not a break in time, is it? So. No, you're right. You're right. And, and, that's a good point because one of the other things about this film that's really sticking in my mind is that is it has this sort of relentless singular point of view that you see in some films mm. and and in my, and usually they're great films you know when you when you're following a single character and yep. you're following them on a journey that's like perilous and filled with dangers and it never once blinks or looks away from that character yeah it, it, it's usually an incredible ride yeah, interesting. Uh, let's not get in too much into that because I might have okay. something to say about that. <laughs> All right, good. Later on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what else about the movie? What, what else do we want to talk about? Any any of the other actors? Look, I think all of the performances were standout and mm. I loved seeing so many great British actors in there. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed that. Like some of my favourites at the moment, Andrew Scott, Mark Strong, Benedict Cumberbatch, Colin Firth, like all great, 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 huge <laughs> actors, all leading men in their own yeah. right appearing in this film. And the two leads are, are kind of not leading men yeah. in a way, which is really interesting. I thought that did something really uh, specific to how how you watch it. It's basically bookended with Colin Firth yep. and Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch. You're right, the two huge stars. The two huge own. stars in tiny yep. little bit parts and these boys going through the... Both the main the main guys and the support the sporting cast are basically boys. Clever. And you really, especially with Benedict Cumberbatch at the end, I don't even like him much to be honest. <laughs> not I don't dislike the man, but I'm not drawn to his work necessarily. Sure. Uh, but I thought he was perfectly cast in this. And after after travelling with Schofield 
through that. You really sensed the uh, uh, the presence of of this. What is he a, ge- a general or a colonel? I don't know the difference between them. I can't remember. He's, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he's a colonel or some, something like that. Yeah, he's a colonel, Colonel Mackenzie. Yeah, really had um, authority, and I think that was because of the casting. And he was terrifying. Yeah, just that moment where he turns around. And you, you just like, oh, God, now he has to explain to this guy who looks like he does not <laughs> want to be have anything explained to him. After all that. Colonel McKenzie! Everything there. This attack is not to go ahead. You have been ordered to stop. You have to stop. Who the hell are you? Lance Corporal Schofield, sir. Eighth. I have orders from General Erinmore to call off this attack. You're too late, Lance Corporal. Sir, these orders are from Army Command. You have to read them. Shall we hold back the second wave, sir? No, Major. Hesitate now and we lose. Victory's only 500 yards away. Sir, please read the letter. I have heard it all before. I'm not going to wait until dusk or for fog. I'm not calling back my men, only to send them out there again tomorrow. Not when we've got the bastards on the run. This is their last stand. The Germans planned this, sir. After all that, I know, and there's a real sense in that final scene when he's running. It's not the final scene, but that moment where he's running towards that bunker that your heart is just like right up in your throat because you, you just know that he, he's this close to failing his mission after all yeah. that's happened. And when those two two guys pin him up against the wall and say, no, nah, mate, there's no way you're getting in there. I was yeah. like, oh, no, no, stop it, stop it. <laughs> that's that's the iconic one, isn't it? I guess the that running sequence. Yes, yes it is. Yep. And you know he he actually didn't in, it wasn't intended that he bumped into the I didn't I was yeah, wondering about that you know that great fall yeah yeah that which was an is, accident yeah the best part of the whole huh. sequence classic. that was an accident that's classic and then they they just ran with it and kept it in and it, and you remind, it's funny because you can see all the the, um, the extras are trying to dodge him <laughs> I think on the second viewing I I noticed it even more because I was a little less in the moment yeah but uh, that's a hard thing to do to run sideways yeah. against a field full of men running a different totally different direction it's actually not easy so i can understand why that happened when it's all pre-planned minutes before and you've got to yeah you've got to get, get your cue it's like a dance number you know what uh, the other thing about this film that i'll mention while we're talking about stuff is um i recently not that long ago listened to dan carlin's hardcore history i don't know if you ever heard that uh, podcast. you mean the, the one with the five hour episodes yes yes yep. And I listened to the entire World War One series. I can't remember wow. how many eps it was, um, but it was long. It was a commitment. Mm. Went the whole way through, and I loved every second of it. Yeah. And uh, he talked at length about things like how deep those uh, craters were from the mortars, um, and how men would just drown in them wow. with their with their gear on. And uh, he talked about how hard it was to get through those barbed wire. No man mm. land section, no man's land sections. He talked about the German trenches and how much more advanced they were than the Brits, and uh, and he also talked about things like um, the the Brits, their um, captains or whatever, the, the slightly more senior um, officers would shoot them if they didn't they didn't charge. They would yeah. shoot their own soldiers if they didn't charge over out out of the trenches across the field, and they had them. They had all that stuff in this film. Mm. It wasn't specifically called out, but you could see it. All those officers had their handguns out in that last sequence wow. of the film. They all had their handguns up, like up, up near their faces, um, ready to shoot people if they didn't go over the line, you know? It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Mm. Really, really great attention to detail. Well, I haven't seen Dan, listen to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History or really 
know anything much about war in general, let alone the First World War. But I did find that I, I learned I learned things just just like that, like just yeah. looking at the reconstruction and the thing you said about how long the trenches were. Yeah. So, and I thought, how did they how did they make the trenches? How did they get the telephone lines in there and create the little rooms within the trenches? And like, it's it's mind blowing. And the Germans were so much better at it. It was a joke how much better they were. And that came across, didn't it? It really did. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that blew my mind um, was when I, when they, they, they finally get it. You know, there's that scene where they almost get blown up in the trenches, in the German mm. trenches because the trip yeah. wire. And when they finally come out, they're in a little sort of basin or a clear area just filled with ginormous mortar shells. They're like, yeah. and, and it looked almost like the, the two men had been shrunken, like they'd just been made small all of a sudden, <laughs> like, cause those, and that those were normal bullet shells. They were huge. Yeah. I had no idea. And just hundreds of them littered everywhere. Incredible. There was, there was some moments in that film like that that made you just sort of like kind of rock back in your chair a little bit and go, holy crap, that's intense. That's what, that's what, that is a symbol of how insane that war was. Yeah. Well, well there were many moments. How, how about the... Mm the injured soldiers just towards the end, like when he's just about to deliver the message to um, the king of the north. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he just, he walks walks past just this tent of the wounded. Yeah. And it's really in your face, um, you know, just the injuries they've got. And we hadn't, hadn't seen much of that for the whole film. You're right. And it was almost just reminding you, hey, you've kind of watched a something of a theatre play, mm. uh, but this is what it, you know, what it really would have looked like. Yeah, in, in, in some ways a story about two guys who had to um, travel across really a really dangerous stretch of land but were quite lucky in, in most instances, even though they both ran into trouble and one of them dies halfway. Mm. You don't see that kind of brutality that you, you, you'd normally think of with, you know, trench warfare. Yeah. Mm. Anything else we need to call out before we go on to the bit that I've been looking forward to for two weeks? <laughs> I can't wait to hear what your nah, look, reminds think, me of. I think anything else that we might say will come out in our references. So let's let's jump in. Okay, let's uh, fill up our glasses. Oh, good idea. <laughs> okay, Baron, we're back. What we are you are drinking? Uh, I am just drinking rum and coke. The old rum and coke. You mix Nothing it up, special. don't you? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It just depends. So I was given a bottle of rum and so mm-hmm. then I just went about buying ginger beer and coke for a bit. And then when that's finished, I'll go and buy red wine again, probably. <laughs> and then when that's finished, I might get some gin and it might become gin and tonics, you know? Yeah. I just go with whatever's happening. Yeah, I hear you. Well. You are a specialist, however. Yeah, I, I like. I do like to specialize uh, <laughs> in vodkas, vodkas and Red Bull. Vodkas and Red Bulls. Yeah, I like that about you. Yeah, thank you. You you know what you like and you stick with it. Yep, that's 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 me. The, it's just a matter <laughs> of the quantity is the only only thing in question. The quantity. I know in this lockdown time, it's hard to keep the quantity to the to, to a limit. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it especially really watching. I'm not sure what makes me. Inclined to drink more, watching uh, war films or Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> Maybe I'm still getting over that one. Oh, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to take a little while to get over that one. Yeah. Hey, before we get into our Remind Me Ofs, I just want to mention yes. that I saw Cats last night. 
the oh, new wow. cast, and it is fucking awful. Well, it's meant to be awful, so at least it's lived up to its to oh expectation. Yes, and it and it made me think about um, how Six Degrees of Separation was my remind me of for yeah, well, one of them for Parasite, and one of the jokes in that is that they were going to make a movie out of cats. Yeah, <laughs> and that's they, right. And and everyone was sort of going, is that even possible? Anyway, had you I, seen the um the theater version? I haven't. The... No, I actually kind of knew nothing about cats, and I thought. This is a spectacle. I know it's going to be awful, but I'll check it out. Mm. And the thing is worse than than I than I imagined. Way way worse. Wow. How could it... Maybe this is just if you've seen the if you've seen the musical, yeah. you, you just know this, right? But the whole thing is is the cats one at a time singing mm. about each cat, like who they are and where they come from. And then a new cat arrives, and they do a whole song and thing about that cat. That sounds great. And, and then they all move to another area, and a new cat arrives. <laughs> And it just goes on and on for like two hours. That sounds great. I love it. <laughs> I <know> <laughs> love the concept. On. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. I can't wait to watch it. That's, that's almost <laughs> a recommendation. You <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> and it's all song, yeah, song and cat dance. So I think there's maybe one minute of dialogue that isn't song in the whole film. Okay. Does anyone in it still have a career? Because <laughs> um, there were some names, weren't there? Dame Dame Judy Dench That's has right. a career still, but yeah. uh, this didn't help it. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Anyway. Well, well. Now you mentioned that you were struggling to get this down to three. I was. I was. Yeah. I've got four that I really like. That's the problem. I've got four as well. I had the same struggle, and I, I was sort of hoping that one might cross over. <laughs> okay. And then we can just share it. Well. Any any chance? Do you think? You know what. Last time I said there was no chance. This time I feel like maybe there is a really strong chance that we'll have one that crosses mm, over. Okay. Yep. I think so. Okay. I reckon, we should, I reckon we should just go for four but keep it a little shorter for each one. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Without further ado, my first film, my first remind me of, is Lord of the Rings. Well, well. Bum, bum, bum. Did you have that? Is that a crossover? Surely. No, I didn't. My mind's ticking over now to try and see <laughs> see where it uh, where it connects, and I, I think my mind's going there. But I, I want to hear from you. Uh, I I kind of want to hear where your mind's going. Have well, I'm thinking I'm thinking the quest. Okay. Yeah, the part of it. The problem, and then the quest. That's that's the start of it. Uh, yeah, that's definitely um, part of it. That's not specifically the thing, though. Okay. Can I tell you the thing. Yeah, please. Frodo and Sam. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes. Do you like it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. They just reminded me so much of Frodo and Sam, these two. Brilliant. And in particular, <laughs> I was thinking Lance Corporal Blake. Yeah, the one that The one that King gets Tommen. it halfway through. Yes, that's it. Yeah. So he, the whole, he was annoying me, right, when yeah. I was watching the film. Yeah. Uh, he was annoying me with his, his sort of inane chatter and his talk of home. And, and uh, at, afterwards, I was sitting there and I was like, He's just like Sam. Yeah. Sam is annoying. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. He's, the, he's really lovely, but he's annoying. And there were times in The Lord of the Rings where I kind of a little bit hoped that Sam would cack it. That someone, something <laughs> would get him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the other guy, Schofield, he has that sort of sad 
face that he Frodo does. has and that kind of relentless drive in the end to, to make the journey pay off, to get there, to do the thing, mm. the one thing that he's been placed on this earth to do, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I just kind of, you know, thought if there was a moment that's, that really matched up, um, for me it felt like, you know, there's that bit at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring where um, Frodo tries to take off on his own with the um, the canoe and, and, and Sam is like, don't leave me, Mr. Frodo. And he's like running after him into the water, but Sam can't swim. Oh, and yes. So, yeah, I do. And then if not for Frodo, you know, chucking his arm into the water just at the last moment and catching Sam's fingertips and pulling him into the boat, he would have drowned right then and there. Go back, Sam. I'm going to Mordor alone. Of course you are. And I'm coming with you. I was like, well, if he had drowned, that would be, be that would be the moment that would, <laughs> that would mirror this film perfectly. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And then from that moment onward, poor Frodo's on his own. So it's more about the relationship between the two. Geez, we're we're getting through a lot of male buddy relationships in this series, aren't we? You're right. Yes, we are. Yes, we <laughs> it's are. It's kind of the same thing done. But like you could have you could have said bad boys. <laughs> it's true. You could have said like boys. Martin Lawrence. Um, oh, dude, is, missed opportunity. That'd yeah. be a cracker. <laughs> I might have turned off. <laughs> right, uh, right. Well, over to you. Okay, well, I'm going to start with one that I, I think has to be a crossover, and I don't know how long we, we need to talk about it for, but my first remind me of is Rope by Alfred Hitchcock. Get out of town. We've got another Alfred Hitchcock reference. Oh, so it's not one of yours? No. No, oh, I thought it might be. I haven't. I actually haven't seen Rope. So Okay, well. You got uh, Well, the, the main thing is that it's... Uh, at least pretending to be a single shot film, right? So it's, it's just it's one of my favourites of all time. I think it's 1948 or something like that. It could even be the first. It was fame. It's famous for being a single shot film with a couple of you know fancy cuts like Mendes does. You have like found the holes. You find you, you're, every week you're finding the holes in my film knowledge. Every week. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm just completely <laughs> finding the holes in mine. Right. I was. I was thinking about that and I realised that I've got virtually no knowledge of the films that, that everybody else knows. <laughs> like uh, all the, I've only seen one of Sam Mendes and I hadn't seen any Bad Boys and yeah, haven't well, seen any Bond films. I've seen no Bond films. Really? I've made one actually, one Bond film. Which Bond film have you seen? I think it was The Quantum of whatever. So, so it was a Sam Mendes one, or it was a one of the more recent ones. Was he? Was that him? No, I don't think it was Sam Mendes. So that was anyway, after we're him. Getting, we're getting sidetracked, but yeah, um, yeah, sorry. Well, that that so even so, you're still every week finding you've, you're talking about films that I haven't seen. So that's that that's interesting too. It goes both ways. So maybe we're a good match. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, Rope is this amazing film with again two buddies. Should I give spoilers here? That's yes, the question. Please. Oh, because I haven't seen it. Um, yeah, no, do we? Go for Look, it. I'll, I'll tell you the start because the it's the the first scene pretty much is them killing this guy and with a rope strangling him and they put him into a chest and bit by bit there's different things revealed but they basically have a dinner party with his parents and his fiance and their best mate uh, eating on the chest that has the the guy's body in it 
and it's all just one shot and it, it really it feels like a stage play. Uh, I love it. That was it. quite transformative at the time and a famous thing. What happened to David Kentley changed my life completely and the lives of seven others. Janet Walker, Henry Kentley, the boy's father, his aunt, Mrs. Atwater, his best friend, Kenneth Lawrence, a housekeeper named Mrs. Wilson, and the two who were responsible for everything, Brandon Shaw and Philip Morgan. Yeah, there's nothing really else like that that, that makes it similar to 1917 other than the technique. Mm. Mm, I love that. Have I said Hitchcock, Hitchcock every week so far? You have. Mm. Oh, you didn't say a Hitchcock film to do with bad boys though. Uh, you'd be struggling, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. But um, there was one for Parasite and one for Jojo Rabbit. Okay. I love cool. it. Wow. <laughs> Your turn. My next reminds me of is Children of Men. Did you have Children of Men on your list? No. Did you think I would have? I thought you would. No, no. I I've, you would. I've seen it ages ago, so I'll I'll be hoping to be reminded of the premise. <laughs> Absolutely. So, okay, starting from the top then. The premise, this is an Alfonso Cuaron film. Yes. He was a genius filmmaker. Agreed. Um, the premise is that uh, humanity has, in sometime in the near future, stopped mm. being able to have children. Yes. And so the last baby born is now a 20-something-year-old and there's a resistance going on and the world's getting really ugly and it's sort of ends of times is feeling like it's in the air and things are starting to get really tense. Um, and in this setting, uh, a baby is born. And yeah. the main character, Clive Owen's character, is somehow thrown into the middle of the story where he's now in charge of trying to save this baby and get get the baby and the mother to an ark, which is a ship that yep. sails on the seas. And it's um the reason it's it's my reminds me of for this is that Alfonso Cuaron has two or three single shot sequences in the film uh. where he I feel this could be wrong, but I feel like he innovated the way of doing the single shot sequence that you see Sam Mendes take up in this film. Yeah. That way of doing the seamless cuts that you see where the camera swipes past a, a yeah. post or a tree and seamlessly the next shot takes off and you get... And so here's, here's the whole film is in this, but there are um, a couple really long sequences. There's a, a scene that starts off in a car. You know, they, they rigged out this car specially for this. They took the roof off of it and yep. made panels that came off of it and so on. Um, but they're playing a game in the car and they're spitting a ping pong back and forth between their mouths and then... You look out the window as they're driving down a road and a flaming car comes down the hill and blocks them off. Go, go, go. We're going to make it. Come on, we're going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Back up. Back up now. Jesus. Then suddenly all these dudes on motorcycles appear out of nowhere <laughs> with Molotov cocktails and stuff. And it's just when filmmakers, and, and when I first saw that, I, I think, you know, my mind was just blown. I was like, this is incredible yeah. that anyone can do this. Um, and so I think he I think he really kind of was the innovator of this style of filmmaking. So that film has stuck with you for that reason all this time? That's a big one, but I also just love the shit out of the film. Yeah. I love it. It's just such a great premise and it's really, really well done. Really well yeah, done. Yeah, I've got to rewatch that. Yeah. It's funny how you can see, have seen things and just watch them, enjoy them, and then forget about them. 
Yeah, that's right. They kind of go in the back catalogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. Okay, that's going back into the front catalogue. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like it's also a uh, another quest sort of thing. Yes, that that's the other thing. Um, all of my references tonight, all of them have yeah. a very strong single perspective yeah. um, that is very single-minded, like get from here to there. Yeah, you're on fire tonight. I'm on fire Loving tonight, it. man. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a quick one. This could also be, this could be a crossover as well. I'm not sure. I don't need to talk about it for long. But my second one is another Kubrick film. Sorry to be so repetitive. Paths <laughs> of Glory. Say it again. Path, Paths of Glory. Oh, my God, man. You just keep pulling out films that I haven't seen. Uh, I good. haven't seen that well, one either. Straight back at you. Nice. Uh, All right. Well, it's it's a good one. Um, and this but- is Kubrick and, and Hitchcock, like two of the... Big names yeah. in filmmaking that I should absolutely have seen all of their catalogue and I haven't. And they're both rippers. Embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I think you could just you could um, go back to them for every every film that we ever do, and you probably find that I do. Uh, we should just re retitle it to that. Reminds me of Kubrick and Hitchcock. <laughs> the thing about 1917 that reminded me of Paths of Glory was the first maybe third of the film where they're in the trenches and the trenches just. As I was watching 1917, I felt like this is a colour, hyper, better done version of Paths of Glory because you get that same feeling of being in in the trenches. And and then the, the next bit is the journey from the trenches to no man's land. So they... Kubrick also depicts that, and uh, the the set for that just really was much the same. Like it just had the barbed wire, you know, the big um, big holes that they would fall in, all done, you know, back in, geez, I don't know when it was, sixties, uh, fifties wow. maybe. Yeah, uh, it was one of his first ones, um, and just just the look and feel, uh, and the I just can't imagine that Mendes wouldn't have had. Paths of Glory as a, a reference point for though the trench and the no man's land bits. Wow, awesome. Hmm. All right, so uh, my next reminds me of is The Revenant. The Revenant? I've not seen this one, Baron. Really what are you doing haven't. to me? No, Leonardo. Yes, yes. Tell me about it. Okay, so this was the one, this was my third choice and... And this was the one I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I should do this or the other one, which I'm going to do in a minute. But yep. um, the reason I love this film is for a couple of reasons. Uh, it, but mostly it's the feel of the thing and that single-minded first-person po- point of view mm. really reminded me of 1917 and vice yep. versa. The journey that um, Schofield goes on, is it Schofield? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just forgotten the guy's name. Um in 1917, particularly once he's suddenly on his own, mm. feels so much like the journey that um, DiCaprio's character in The Revenant goes on. I think his name's Glass. From uh, the moment that his son is killed. Only safe thing to do is track a new course back up online. Then what we gonna do? Sit out there like a bunch of goddamn ducks. You and your half-free son get to walk on out. I'm talking to you.
it's this incredible focus of getting from one place to the next um, and every moment is just filled with danger. Uh, and the other thing is the two films are just beautiful as well. They're both yeah. beautiful to look at. Beautiful and stark and austere, dangerous and depressing at times, but gorgeous to look at. I'm, I'm guessing it wouldn't be that sort of film if there's not a scene where he's bobbing up and down, nearly drowning in the rapids of some river. <laughs> there is. I, th- I feel like they're, they're both films have that scene. Yep, totally. Yeah, I think a lot too. <laughs> but geez, it gets you, doesn't it, that scene? Yeah, big that time. That scene in, in every film. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and there are also, just on a side note, yep. if you do see The Revenant, there is an amazing single shot se- sequence in The Revenant, uh, yep. which blew my mind when I first saw it. There's a moment where their camp gets uh, invaded by Indians who are there to sort of slaughter everyone and steal the skins. And um, suddenly all these skinners are just fighting for their lives. And uh, the main character, DiCaprio's character, is in the middle of that. And the whole thing is just one long shot as you're watching him fight for his life. And, And at one moment he's fighting on the ground and the next moment a horse goes by and he jumps on the horse and the freaking camera goes with him. It just what? when I saw it, it just blew my mind. It was just phenomenal. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Who, who was that? Who was the director? Uh, he's the same guy that did Birdman. Um, and of course, Birdman is single shot. His surname's Inaritu. Alex, I think it's Alejandro Inaritu, something like that. Yeah, Birdman's single shot as well. Birdman's a single shot. Yeah. Yeah. Did you it. like that? I did. Yeah. I think he's another great filmmaker. Yeah. Another amazing filmmaker. Okay. Well, mm. moving right. on. Back at you, Doc. Back at me. What's your um, third reference? Lawrence Olivier's Henry V. Ooh. Ooh. It's one of my, along with Rope, one of Ooh. my all-time favourite films. Holy um, shit. So it's Shakespeare. Yep. So Shakespeare and Lawrence Olivier was one of the, you know, the grand Shakespeare masters who took Shakespeare plays to film. Um, but the, the thing that the thing that reminded me of 1917 or vice versa was Henry V starts very theatrical. So you've got um, the characters basically on the globe in the Globe Theatre in in London with their with makeup on, and it's all very in the in the theatre. You've got the even the patrons in the crowd, and then gradually the the film goes from theatre into real life, uh, and it's just a magic transition where suddenly you're really on the battlefield. So the you know the um, wow. the stage makeup is gone, and you've got real horses in real fields, and just just an amazing. I think there's there's other other films that do that as well. But this was one of the first that I, I was aware of. In all of history, in all of time, no era has ever produced such unforgettable drama and daring. Now it bursts upon the screen with all the vivid, sweeping impact of its greatness, the crowning epic of clashing armies on the blood-bathed battlements of Argincourt. The dazzling pageantry and the untamed courage of a man who risked a kingdom to win the love of a woman and the heart of a nation. And I just felt I felt that it was a little bit the same as 1917 in that the it's it's set up very theatrical. I, I really felt like I was watching a play through much of it. And then all of a sudden, like in the 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 rapids sequence when he's in the the river, all of a sudden it's it's hyper real. Mm. Um and kind of goes be, between the two. 
so I love it. Yeah, I had a really strong sense of that myself in in 1917. Um, I thought that the scene where he's running at night through the the city yeah. felt like a like a dream sequence. Yeah. And you know that same moment where he comes, he sort of crawls over the dead bodies at the end of the river, and then crawls up into like a song that's happening yeah. for soldiers was really was surreal. Yeah, yeah there's, there, there were definite mo- and And I guess also the giant mortar shells were the same. Like just yeah. there were these moments, these punctuations that, that seemed to happen either before or after an action sequence that were really dreamlike. Beautiful. It's, it's funny you mentioned that particular moment the, um, when they, the, way, the Wayfaring Stranger song. And all my loved ones who I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. Also, one of my favourite songs, the Johnny Cash version. Really, just love it. You know, you know when he comes out of the water, and yeah, as you said, there's all the soldiers there. Um, the beautiful thing was not beautiful, like it's melancholy, but um, seeing just how young they all looked, I yeah. thought Mendez nailed that and the uh, the song just created this really real feeling of this is the this is the minutes before they're going to go and risk their lives. Uh, and there's a, there's a famous scene in Henry V as well that is kind of similar to that. It's a uh, the, the night before they're going to go to the Battle of Agincourt and everything's quiet, people are just, there's a real, a real sense of what is war for, what is what is it about, you know, um, that mirrors 1917. There's some real depth to that, isn't there? What's that? You know, being able to pull those moments out in a, in a film like this. Yeah, for the light and shade. Yeah, you could easily get caught up in the action of it and mm. the one-shot glory and all that you know but to actually sit there and really think about each of those moments before and after the the action is um there was some i thought there was real depth there it's great and that's what like it's a wasted opportunity isn't it when you build such tension and energy uh i think a good filmmaker which i count mendez as one then uses that for something and to to go then straight into something that is melancholy and soft and quiet and pensive yeah, definitely. That's cool. Makes you were, it more. You were about to say something. Uh, yes. Yeah. The the thing that I didn't realise um, was that Mendes has actually directed his own version of Henry V, which blew my mind. That I he um he did uh, for the BBC this series of Shakespeare made for television. Really. Things. Yeah, yeah. Wow. TV shows matching oh. Shakespeare. Shakespeare <laughs> Siri. Okay. Stop Sorry, it, Siri. Oh, either is it directed or produced? I, I think directed, actually. At very least produced, um, it may be directed, uh, which puts him, there's a whole series of directors who have been the, the Shakespeare masters. Yeah. Orson Welles, Olivier, Kenneth Branagh, and now Mendes. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I, I, I had to actually look up when you said Henry V, I had to look it up because I had Kenneth Branagh's film in mind. Which is great as well. Yeah, so I've seen that one. I haven't seen Laurence Olivier's one. So there you go. Well, it's old school, but it's worth a look. All right, back to me, number four. Number four. 
So my fourth reference is Empire of the Sun. Empire of the Sun, which I also haven't seen. Really? Okay, I thought maybe um, this one you might have. That's all good. No, you, you give me too much credit. Is that based on a J J G Ballard novel? Yes. It is? It is. Ah, cool. Okay, so Empire of the Sun, uh, Steven Spielberg directed it. It's uh, the first film that Christian Bale starred in when wow. he was just a little boy, a wee little boy. Really? Yeah, 1987. Uh, and the performance is standout. Like he does an amazing job, you know, um, and then disappeared kid. for a bunch of years and then came back as an adult and did an amazing job in other films. Mm. Uh, it's got John Malkovich in it as well. Um, it's just, a, it's, so if, if you haven't seen it, um, it in short is about the invasion of China by the Japanese in World War Two, and Christian Bale's character, he's just a young boy who's uh, living with his parents in China and he gets separated from his parents right at the beginning of this invasion and suddenly has to fend for himself. And he ends up in um, a prisoner of war camp and just goes from one thing to the next. Uh, and what really stuck with me in this film, which reminded me so much of 1917, is that when a, an invading force comes into a country and they just tear it apart, with like zero regard for the culture and the people and the and the houses and their artifacts and like their their furniture and their things and mm. and you end up with these uh, bizarre scenes of just destruction and um, I think you get that in 1917. Yeah, that that the the sequence in the in the sort of the rubble town. Yeah, um, yeah, it was quite striking. So have you done you've done four now? I have done four. I am done. You're done. And uh, I now I'm on to my hear your last one. I think you'll like my last one. 1917 reminded me of a film that I hadn't yet seen. <laughs> so I had okay. not seen this film. Explain. It reminded me of what I've heard about this film. <laughs> um, so then I went and watched it. Uh, so basically it reminded me of Alien. By Ridley Scott. What? You hadn't... Okay, too many things here. Yeah. Interesting reminds me of. Um, I, got, I can't wait for the explanation. But, but also, you're not, you're not going to dwell on the fact that I hadn't seen Alien, are you, surely? I am going to dwell on the <laughs> fact that you haven't seen Alien. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting, isn't it? Oh, my God. All right, good. Keep yeah, going. So the reason being is the whole idea of the unexpected hero. So in we've talked a lot about Schofield and, um, and King Tom and... Uh, you know, being the, the duo, but it was really at the start, um, Tom and or Blake is the character's name. It was his film. It was his quest. It was his journey. Yes. He's there to, you know, rescue his brother. It's personal for him. And Schofield didn't really, uh, he was a, the reluctant companion. So you're, you're really, you're, you're wanting Blake to, to find his brother and you're following him. And Schofield is just the, on the side. Then all of a sudden it shifts and it's Schofield's film. So in Alien, you've got this cast at the start, John Hurt, Ian Holm, is it Holm? Holm? Yes. Um, Tom Skerritt, Harry Dean Stanton, all these, Bunch you know, men. all these yeah. men, these male lead type macho ones, yeah, the totally. commander of the ship and all the big roles. And But then, of course, they all die off and the last one standing is Sigourney Weaver. 
Yeah. Um, so that's great. And yeah. about halfway through, she takes over control of yes. this because she's sort of the next in next most senior. Final report of the commercial starship Nostromo. Third officer reporting. The other members of the crew. Kane, Lambert, Parker, Brett, Ash, and Captain Dallas are dead. Cargo and ship destroyed. That's a great. That's a great call out, man. Yeah. So I think, and that to me mm. was the probably the the thing that uh, resonated the most with 1917, and the the twist of the film was that it's one guy's film, and then it becomes someone else's, and I didn't see it coming like uh mendez was actually setting it up very differently like to the point where uh schofield was seemed to be injured and struggling right. um he'd hurt his hand he put his hand in someone's stomach yeah. you know so you, you're just thinking that moment oh, that killed me yeah that hand's <laughs> gone you're thinking that's gonna be a problem then you think he's yeah. gonna be blinded yeah uh so I'm, I'm just imagining that blake is gonna be heroic having to get his mate to, you know, and to the finish it's line. it's his brother, so you're thinking this guy has every reason to push forward. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's great. So, yes, that's uh, Alien on the battlefield. I love it. I think any time you can get Alien, an Alien film in as a reference is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love those films. Even the shit ones. I love the shit ones too. Well, that's the first one I've seen, so I've got, a, I've got some watching ahead of me. Well, okay. I think we've talked about all the things and, I, and I, it's been great. I, I really enjoyed this film. I um, Even the second time around, there was so much for me to take away from it. Well, I'll be watching um, Sam Mendes's back catalogue. That's, that's yes. first on my list, probably before Alien, the rest of the Alien films. Oh, dude, you got to see the second one. Even if you just see the second film yeah. and, and then stop there, you're okay. okay. We need to keep each other honest about the... Good the call. stuff that we say we're going to watch. <laughs> you're right. And then you're right. We should. I've, I've got so many that I need to due to your your um, references. The same. We you need know, to take not... a week off sometime and just watch them all. Exactly. It can't hurt me to go back and watch all of the Hitchcock and, and Kubrick films, right? I mean. No, that's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt me. No. I need to do that. Absolutely. And I'll watch Henry V while I'm at it. God no, damn. no. I Look, honestly, <laughs> don't bother with Henry V. You've got to. You've got, got to, to kind draw of, a line somewhere. Yeah, you've got to draw the line somewhere. I, I love it, but I love the play. And awesome. If you're going to watch Henry V, you've kind of got to watch Henry IV or read Henry IV Part One, Part Two, Henry V. Is that even and, a thing? Yeah, it is. And really? and that's that is the thing that the Mendes, so they're called like the history plays. Yeah. And so there's a whole sequence where you just see, uh, I think it's King Richard. And then Henry the Fourth, then Henry the Fifth, and then it goes to Richard the uh, Third, and they all—they're all very different plays. Is, is there a Henry the Eighth? Have I got an Eighth in my head for some reason? Well, Henry the Eighth existed. Okay, but there I think was he was no one with a million wives. Was he the crazy one that chopped all the heads off? Uh, I think I think he might have been. He <laughs> okay, was great. He was certainly his own his own person. Right. Okay. Good. <laughs> History but. lesson and movie <laughs> references. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting I back to Henry V. I've got to stop this. <laughs> speaking, of, um, speaking of watching films, yeah. <laughs> what are we watching next time? What are we going to watch next time? Okay. 
Okay, Baron, what's the short list of films for next episode? And I'll I'll choose one from the list. All right, next week we've got two very highly reviewed and rated films to choose from. The Lighthouse, which is the Robert Eggers film, um, the guy who did The Witch. Yep. Black and White, Oscar winner for cinematography last year or beginning of this year. Timber man want with being a wiki. Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. And then the second film is called The Peanut Butter Falcon, Shia LaBeouf film, which looks like a really uh, heartwarming and funny tale. So one's heartwarming and funny. I don't do heartwarming and funny. (laughs) (laughs) There's sheep in this world and there are wolves in this world. And I know that you two boys are just two weary travelers who lost your way. So, we're going to clean you up right with a baptism. I'm more of a baptism by fire type. Okay. Yeah, two very different films. Both very, very well reviewed. And can I make the call? Yes, please do. Okay, I have fond and eerie memories of The Witch. So let's do The Lighthouse. Beautiful. I'm excited about that. Back to horror. <laughs> I love it. We haven't really done a proper horror. Yeah, back into your lane. Yeah, we haven't done a proper horror film yet. but No, Parasite wasn't horror. No, really? I don't know if this is a, is a proper horror film in a way. It'd be interesting to see. I think okay, it's a very artsy wait. horror film and I'm excited about that. Artsy horror. Yes. Beautiful. Let's do it. Talking my language. <laughs> Hey, this has been a great episode. I've really enjoyed talking about this film um, and hearing your references, figuring out that I have there's huge, more huge holes in my film knowledge that I have to now go fix. Thanks for that. Yeah, um, I've got some homework too. <laughs> yeah, but hey, a great film, 1917. Go see it, everybody. See you next time. All right, catch you later, man.